Welcome to Live Well with Depression, a podcast about unlocking your best life while managing depression. I'm your host, Amanda Gist, and if you're tuning in because you're ready to design a life well lived despite mental health challenges, you're in the right place. Ready to reimagine what a life with depression looks like? Keep listening. Welcome to a brand new episode of Live Well with Depression. I am your host, Amanda Gist, and you are tuned in to part two of an incredible interview with psychotherapist and trauma expert, Joelle Miletus. If you haven't listened to part one yet, you can find it linked in the show notes. And if you are ready to dive into topics like practical tips for dealing with both the emotional and the physical aspects of depression, uh, what to look for when you're searching for a new therapist, how EMDR works, how impactful pet loss can be, and so much more. Just keep listening. Joelle also answers audience questions in this episode and offers a special gift just for listeners of Live Well with Depression. Let's get into it. Physically, so when we, you know, depression is in our body, trauma's in our body, moving our body is emotionally painful. It Mm -hmm. physically hurts. You know, trauma feels very uh, trauma is painful. It, it can develop into chronic pain, chronic illness, um, IBS, all sorts of things, headaches, um, TMJ, you name it. Uh, depression, same thing. And a lot of people with depression say they have stomach issues. They have a lot of GI issues and um, they just don't feel good. They feel very heavy, right? Oh, I, I used to say it. Fe- oh, gosh. I used to say it feels like I'm encased in cement yeah. when I try to move. Or for me, um, an elephant sitting on my chest, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and so try like so, get up and go for a run. Get up and go to the gym. Why would I do that? I'm in so much p- physical pain, right? And like you said, what we don't realize is that if we actually move, we feel a little better. So start it. Start slow. If it's just reaching your hands above your head and taking a really big stretch and a yawn and doing that three times then that's where you are right now. And that's okay. If you just sit down and you take some big, deep belly breaths and you roll your shoulders back, what that does is it actually um, is pushing your reset button. So it engages your your vagal nerve and your autonomic nervous system. And so by taking deep breaths, it helps us get back into the body and calm our body down, Mm -hmm. right? It helps with some of those inflammation markers. So sometimes just, just like you said, you're in the shower, you've got your steamer and, and I love those two. That's one of my go-tos as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and you've got the steamer and just, just take some really deep cleansing breaths while you're there. Right. And you'll notice that you feel a little lighter. So those are physical things we can do. Emotional things, um, are like, you know, asking ourselves, what do I need in this moment? What is next? When we ask targeted questions, what and how? we mm-hmm. stay present. Mm-hmm. When we ask why, mm. why we is spiral. That, we spiral, we start <laughs> we move ourselves into process. So mm-hmm. why questions when you're sitting down and you want to journal or learn how to start a journaling practice, ask yourself why questions? Why am I feeling shitty today? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I swear. No, you're okay. absolutely fine. Right? Like, right. Start with the why questions because you're going to be able to start processing information, right? Mm -hmm. So when we are depressed, actioning things becomes very difficult. So what do I need in this moment? What's my body telling me? 
when we're in the throes of depression, we're like, I don't know. I just feel, I just feel crappy. Right. So making a list or download there's, if you, you know, look at a motivation list or, you know, 200, you know, daily activities, there's all, all sorts of lists, free lists out there. Yeah. Right. So like you said, set yourself up for success. So for me, a lot of times I'd write notes to myself on the bathroom mirror with whatever mm-hmm. cheap, you know, lip liners or eyeliners and different colors. And, you know, I started with perfectly imperfect. Mm, like if I, I could that. just, if I could just embrace that in this moment while I'm putting on my makeup or washing my face or brushing my teeth, that will help. Right. So I would write notes to myself. Um, th- things like that. Sticky notes. If you saw my computer, they're full of acronyms. Right now. <laughs> now I always have the one that I, I stole from my um, clinical director. It's WAIT, W-A-I-T. Why am I talking? Oh, wow. Because I will talk to fill up space because I'm nervous or whatever, right. you know. So taking that, like, why am I talking right now? I don't, I don't know. I love that. I have never heard that. That is such a powerful one. Yeah. And it's usually that internal talking. It's that internal voice. Why? why? But that's going to put me into process. So if I'm spinning already, then what I want to do is say stop. So for me, it's visualizing a stop sign. Stop. Take a big breath. Okay, what do I need? What do I need? Right? Yeah. And then do I, I, I need to turn off the phone. I need to go outside. I need to get something to drink. I need to, whatever it is, go do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So first of all, I love that we have some um, tangible practices, tangible things that people can take away from this episode and start integrating into their lives. I do want to move into the audience questions. There are three of them that really stood out to me. So the first one is um, connected with anticipatory grief. And it was, is can anticipatory grief be considered trauma? Can past trauma make anticipatory grief more challenging? Okay, so anticipatory grief is more on the anxiety spectrum, right? Mm. I'm, I'm anticipating. And so I'm spinning because of anxiety, which can cause depression, right? It can be commingled or coexist with depression. And it can also commingle and coexist with trauma. So you can have it all. The grief, the anxiety, the trauma that like, it's the perfect storm. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of the skills that we've already talked about works for that. But um, when we look at, at that kind of grief manifesting, there's a lot of anxiety work there. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And the connection with trauma is interesting because usually that's situational. And so there might be something in my past, maybe I have a lot of loss, right? Or I've, I've, I've had a lot of grief, uh, loss, betrayal, and that's part of my trauma. And so it's making this anticipatory grief significantly worse. So with that, there's, there's typically more of a connection, um, you know, here's the thing. We don't know everything about all of this stuff. We we really only know about what our brain does for about 20% of the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, is there connections? Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't think there's a lot of research with it. Anticipatory grief is, is it's not a new thing. It's just new we're talked about. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, um, it's, it's, I recognize when you talk about the way I always put it was like opening the floodgates because like 
I lost when I lost my dog of 14 years who had become like my primary attachment figure and throughout those depressive years and everything it was like I did not have any idea why you know I had lost grandparents whatever why was I responding this way like it was so different and I did identify in therapy that it was very much like opening the gateway to losses that had not been processed had not been you know approached and and dealt with and um that experience of it connecting back with things in my past was was very interesting to go through. Yeah, and I just actually read an article. Um, oh, I wish I could remember. I want to say it was Wall Street or New York Times. Anyway, mm-hmm. about um, a small research study that was just done where they said of the loss of a pet um, can be as traumatic as a, the loss of a parent. Right. And and again, small research study, but it's interesting, right? It's something to know where if there's someone who's listening to this podcast is like, well, I've never lost a pet. I've not lost a parent. So that's not their trauma. It doesn't mean that the trauma isn't real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 When I lost Haley, I very much put it on it. Like I talked through that grief and through that process on Instagram. So there's actually quite a big part of, of my community that is in in the pet loss, you know, um, arena, and we all connect very deeply on that level. And um, so it's, you know, it's nice to even just hear about that article and and have people start to acknowledge this, this loss that has not been acknowledged, really ever, you know, it's very much been like, oh, it's just a dog. Well, there when you when you create those like primary attachment and stuff like that, it's like, no, it can very much be losing just your entire reason for being. Absolutely. And, and that's, you know, a lot of early childhood attachment and, and psychology around early childhood attachment. And so is an anticipatory grief is really mm-hmm. focusing um, in that early childhood attachment, which can be very traumatic. Right. right? We had, um, faulty attachments with parents didn't have a good support growing up, then, you know, that is really going to tap in. Like you said, it's going to open the floodgates for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The next question, and this actually taught me a new term. Um, the question is, if you have extensively worked through a big T trauma, even with EMDR, why can flooding still happen? And why is it so dysregulating? I had never heard of flooding. Yeah. So that's what we talked about when uh, we were talking about the car mm-hmm. uh, being rear-ended and your whole body, you get dumps with chemicals. And then right. in that situation, again, you have that reaction. So when you're triggered, your body floods and it doesn't just flood physically, you flood emotionally and your memories sometimes will flood. Sometimes they won't depends on um, how the person is storing that trauma. Okay. So, so that's almost a reference back to earlier in the conversation, which it was explained very, very well, how your body just dumps all over you. And you said opening the floodgates, that's literally what happens. Our body and our brain, you know, the, the regulating systems that we have in place to keep us functioning, like open up those floodgates (laughs) and we're, we're, we're surrounded in it or submerged in it. And so, um, you know, I love, I actually really love this question. I get this question a lot, not, not just from my own clients, um, but from people who have stalled out with other, uh, in other trauma work coming to me, um, 
uh, which I have a lot of clients, they've done years of trauma work and, and they're exactly where this question is. And then they come into the practice. It's because one model does not fit everything. Right. That's why. Right. And yeah. so, you know, EMDR helps us integrate. So where we're stuck before we go to EMDR is in the memory, the memories mm -hmm. on, and every time we remember it, it's bigger. So we're not remembering the actual event each time we're remembering the memory of the event and how we feel and how our body feels. And so every time we remember it, we're remembering how we're physically feeling and emotionally feeling in that moment while we're remembering it. And then we remember, so it's, it's huge. It is the size of a dinosaur by the time we get into EMDR. And so what EMDR is really helpful is chipping away at what the memory is and getting our body to reintegrate and our mind to reintegrate that memory and helping us start to process through how it feels right holistically mm -hmm. and what it means and it has less power so when we remember it we don't get all of that physical or somatic body response right or right. emotional response or both we don't we don't get that when we remember it um it doesn't always stop flooding because e, um, remember the flooding is about the triggers. And if we can't identify all the triggers, right, then there's something that's going to trigger us. It's something that maybe, maybe we didn't deal with in EMDR or around that particular memory. It's lodged somewhere even deeper or it's lodged in a memory that hasn't been uncovered right. yet. Right. And so the flooding is really about the triggers. Okay. Okay. That makes total sense. So the trick for, for people who are listening, who've done a lot of therapy, they've done in EMDR, they're very well versed in trauma and depression. Um, looking at a model like post-traumatic growth, uh, where you're really talking about and radical acceptance or dialectical behavior, DBT and radical acceptance, where you're really working in the present of, okay, this thing is happening to me. I accept that it's happening. I don't need to understand why anymore because I know why, mm -hmm. right? It's just happening. So what do I need to do to get myself moving forward again? So yeah. that's where not, under, not needing to know the why is no longer helpful. Yeah. And I will say just quickly as a resource, um, Tara Brock's radical acceptance book is, is incredible for kind of diving into that, that, um, idea and, um, process of, of in integrating radical acceptance into like how you handle your just dysregulation in general. Yep. It's, it's one of my favorites. I'll, I'll, I'll be vulnerable with you and share this story real quick before yeah. we get to this question. Um, so again, I've seen the same therapist for a long time. I, I use therapy now when I need it. So mm -hmm. I don't go every week, all the time, every year. Um, and recently went back into therapy and we were talking and, and I actually, you can't see it on my, in, in the screen, but that book is on the floor next to my oh. book. And I, my therapist could see it. And she's like, you know, the book you have on the floor, <laughs> radical acceptance. I'm like, yeah. She goes, maybe you need to read it again. I'm like, you know what? I also have it downloaded in my Audible account. Maybe I should <laughs> do it. So I went back to therapy the next week. She goes, how's your homework coming? And I said, typical me, I didn't do it. <laughs> I, yeah. I have the book now. It's on my, I have, it's downloaded. I wanted to do it. And we talked and, and again, that that's part of me and my process is I, I I'm like, I'm going to do the thing. And then I, yeah. I have 101 excuses of why I don't do the thing. Right. 
Um, that resistance. Yep. Total resistance. <laughs> and Brooke, you know, it took the therapy hour to figure out what it was. Mm-hmm. What, what was it? Because it's, it's a book I've read for years. Um, it's one that I, I prescribe to my, you know, to my clients. It's, you know, like it's stuff we talk about all the time, but then when it came to, I had to do it, mm-hmm. there was something about that. Right. And so that's when therapy is really great because it helps us figure those things out. Yeah. I just want to note before we move on to the last question, um, therapy, I, I have come across a lot of people who feel like, well, once you're in therapy, you're in it forever because there's always something to work on. And, and I like how you address this. That is true in the sense that there's always something to work on, but, um, I have learned it's very much the way you use it, which is like, you will have periods that you don't need weekly, bi-weekly, whatever sessions, um, some, maybe something comes up and you go back for a period of time and then you're good again for a while. And, um, that's, you know, that's not even how I grew up viewing therapy. So when I kind of became, um, became aware of that approach, I was like, God, that makes total sense. You know, it's not any different than like, well, I broke my leg. I guess I need crutches for four months, you know, and then, then you're back on your way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, for people who have um, very severe chronic mental illness, um, they need weekly therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for Again, that's why when I said, look, I'm using the word luxury spe- as a specific term for some people, you know, financially therapy is something that they need and that they can afford to do and they get something from going and they'll go for years and years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. That's Okay. The, the the trick is, are you getting something from it? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, a good therapist will say, you know, things are going pretty well. What what would it be like if we skipped a week? Yeah. And then when the client's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, let's talk about that. Or when they're like, I think I could try that. And then you skip a week. You're like, how was that? And they're like, ah, uh, that wasn't good. Okay. Maybe mm-hmm. it's too soon. Or you know what? I did fine. Yeah. Cool. Let's try it again. Yeah. Yeah. Just feeling it out, feeling where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the last audience question, which was also very interesting to me, um, is ADHD really just trauma? And if so, do the stimulant meds really help or do they do more harm? And I feel like this could be a Pandora's box of an answer. It, it's a Pandora's box of a question. And let me, let me just clarify. I am not an MD. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm a psychologist. So mm-hmm. um, I, I will be completely candid and honest. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the medication component of this question. So I think I'm going to um, excuse myself from answering that piece of it because I'm not sure. Sure. There are some links to to ADHD and trauma. I think what's for me, where I start with that with my clients is it's hard to figure out the chicken and the egg. Was it trauma and then ADD or was it eight? Like, so where I start with that is trying to understand the characteristics that are unique to trauma only Mm -hmm. and the characteristics that are unique to ADD, ADHD only. And then what's the, like you said, that commingling or crossover Mm -hmm. because yes, trauma can look like ADD, 
or ADHD. ADHD can look like trauma and absolutely sometimes it, it is a misdiagnosis. Sometimes they're related. Sometimes they're both happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right? That's true for everything. PTSD, anxiety, like just whatever label, you know, that you, you want to throw out there and trauma the hardest thing is is finding somebody who has training, not this that they say I'm trauma informed. When any listeners out there that are thinking about going to therapy or or wanting to find a new therapist, and you ask somebody, are you trauma informed? Ask what their training is. Mm-hmm. That was actually one of my questions. Is like for for listeners who are seeking a therapist for this type of support, what are and then and then we'll wrap. I like I said, I could talk to you forever. Um, what are some things you would have them ask or look for in that therapist? Yeah. So the best questions are starting with your own. um, And I say issues lovingly, right? (laughs) So for me, for example, if I were going to look for a new therapist, I would say probably something like, do you have experience dealing with complex trauma, complex PTSD? What's your training? Mm -hmm. What's your, you know, what's your feeling on that? You know, if we did work together on on complex PTSD, what would that look like mm-hmm. for me? What can I expect? You know, is that weekly sessions? Is it once a month sessions? Is it three times a week? Right? Like, you know, um, what's your background? Have you worked with that before? Mm, that's a great one. Have you studied it in school, or oh no, but I'm trauma informed. I'm trauma informed. Yeah. That's become this new social media buzzword. I'm trauma informed. What that means, folks, is that. One, they are trauma trained. Two, they know how to not re-trigger and re-traumatize their mm-hmm. clients. Um, three, that they've had certification training, right? And four, that the client leads the session. And that's fundamentally important that the client comes in and, and is completely safe. Mm-hmm. That the therapist's job is to keep the client safe. And if it means that it's going to take us a year to unpack the trauma, then that's what it looks like. And if it means that the client comes in and they're um, vomiting information and, and spiraling, right, that the therapist has the skill to bring them back to the present moment and help them stabilize and keep them safe. Right, right. So there's yeah. a model for trauma-informed therapy. It's not just a buzzword or, or a, you know, a one-hour online certification. So right. ask questions. People ask questions all the ask me questions all the time, um, and I'm honest. I am not the best therapist for everybody. I'm demanding. I'm opinionated. <laughs> I'm judgy. I will tell you what I think. Um, I'm sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. I will give you homework. I mean, right. The thing is, is that I'm constantly checking in. How's this working for you? How did you feel? Did it help? Did it not help? Right? There's a million and one things we can try. Let's try this one thing. If it doesn't work, we'll try something else. If I'm not the person for you, please don't go on the internet. Tell me. You're not hurting my feelings. I will help you find somebody great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's huge. Um, And I have found that therapists have incredible networks. (laughs) They do. They do. Not only do we do we not quote do it all, we shouldn't do it all. There's groups, populations of of people with certain diagnoses that I have no background in training in. Um, I should not be working with those populations. I don't have training, and it doesn't mean that I'm a bad therapist. It's just not my background. So when somebody calls and they're like, "Do you do work with X?" 
And I'm like, well, I read about it in school. That's true. I mean, I've read about it in school, but it doesn't mean I know how to do good work. And so being able to say, no, that's not like, I don't, but here's somebody really good who that's yeah. all they do. And yeah. that's definitely something I look for. And a very, to me, that's a very good therapist who knows their limitations, knows their boundaries. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for joining me, Joelle. This was fantastic. I know um, this is probably the longest episode I'm going to have up so far. <laughs> or you'll do it in two parts. <laughs> I know we might have to, I might have to have you back on because we opened like a lot of, of areas that I know we could go way deeper into. Um, but it just, it's, it's great to have someone with that educational background that can, can speak to the areas that, you know, I only have personal experience in. So I really appreciate that. And I'm so glad that we had this conversation. I know it's going to be really helpful for people. Um, can you share a little bit about where the audience can find you, how they can work with you? I don't know if you have online programs, what, what that looks like for you. We do. Yeah. I have a clinic and I have an amazing team. Um, and it's my name. I know you'll put it in the show notes, but it's joelrabomolitas.com. So what, that's the website. Um, IG, it's official.joel.trauma.therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can find me there. Send us a DM. Send me an email. I, I'm always happy to answer questions. Um, if you let me know that you listen to the show, we'll send you a free little gift. So you uh, have a little, a little gifty for your listeners. Amazing. Um, yeah, but I'm most excited to tell you that I just wrote a book and it's on Amazon. So oh, I didn't even know that. How excited! I just got chills. How exciting! So, um, and it's a skills-based book. It's what we've been talking about, really. So, a place for people to start with some actionable skills um, that is holistic, and um, it's really about just getting more self-love and spending 30 days practicing doing that. And the research shows that after 30 days, you tend to, will stick with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a great reference section in the back for all of the books that, you know, we listen to and, and read and write things from. So, um, yeah. And, and what is the book called? I'll put it in the show notes as well, a link to it. Oh, to you. Yes. It's called give yourself self-love and it's the journal for non-journalists, because remember <laughs> I love journals. I have a problem doing them. So <laughs> Um, We wrote basically what we're calling an adult picture book. It is a graphic novel. So you're looking at information and then it's asking um, bullet pointed prompts. So there's not a lot of process based. It's not 30 days of open-ended questions. So it's very methodical and, and skills-based for people like me who are like, okay, okay. (laughs) I am going to have to get my, I could, you can't see my bookshelf, but I have like a whole shelf of of all the workbooks, the the radical self-compassion workbook, the act workbook, like all these things. And are they filled out? No. I read them. Yeah. (laughs) Amazing. I will put a link to that in the show notes as well and links to your website, your socials. Um, Thank you so much. This was amazing. I am so glad that we took the time to do this. And I really appreciate your, just you sharing that knowledge and that expertise. I know it's going to really resonate with a lot of people. Thanks for having me, Amanda. It was a lot of fun and we need to do it again for sure. Absolutely. I would love that. All right, everyone. That is our episode. If you stuck around for the entire thing, you get a gold star. Uh, We might end up splitting this into two and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. 
Hi, it's Amanda. If you're loving this podcast, please be sure to go over to your podcast app and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you feel called, don't forget to rate, review, and share this episode and tag me on Instagram at Amanda Gist. I'd love to know how this episode served you. Thank you so much for listening to Live Well with Depression. I'll see you in the next episode.